Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shop Still Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 12. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from Kim Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So before we get any further, we've I've just got one announcement that I want to make. Um, myself, Joey, and Jordan are going to be doing a talk at the Malini Wood Expo this May. It's in Queensland. Uh, the actual town is Malini. It's from the 5th to the 7th of May. And we're going to be using this as a bit of a potential meetup opportunity. So... Neil from Pask Makes is going to be coming down. So far, it's just the four of us. But I really want to invite you guys to come along. So if you're interested, if you want details or anything, um, I, I guess I'll put links in the, the description below or feel free to contact us about it. We're doing a talk on the Saturday at 12.30 in the main stage. So, you know, it'd be great to have some support there. But ultimately, it's a really good opportunity for us to have an Australian woodworking meetup. We see it a lot in the U.S., so... This is our opportunity. <laughs> all right. So before we get into this episode's topic, let's do a quick rundown of what we've all been working on. Joey, that's your cue. Okay. How can I always go first? Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So not a lot of actual woodwork for me this week. Um, done a little bit, but I've been working a lot on the paperwork, um, calling clients, emails, and fun stuff um drawing a lot of drawing this week um working out cutting lists uh, and i have so some of you might know i started I, I wrote an article a few months ago put it up for sale on my website um and it's a I really good article I should yep, just put thank you <laughs> i had started a second article at the time or what was going to be part of the same article and i ended up splitting some off and so I've kind of been re-energized for some reason to start re or finishing that article, which is about cabinet making. Um, so I'm kind of been trying to get into that as well. It's a very slow process because it's kind of write a paragraph, draw a picture, <laughs> and then write a paragraph, draw a picture. So or vice versa. So um, it takes a bit of time. Um, and also this week. I went down this rabbit hole of multi-tool, um, which is the best multi-tool because I've, I've been yeah. um, really, I really like them. I think they're awesome things. I, I have a, a, an old Leatherman that I use. I keep it in the van when I'm doing. It's always handy on install day. There's always something I use it for, but it's not very. It's, it's a cheaper version, and it just doesn't really do what it should. So I ended up spending a bit of money, bought a, a good one. And that arrived today, so that was awesome. <laughs> was that a surge, or like still Leatherman? So like a surge? No, I got the um, Skeletal. Oh, <laughs> that is a cool name. Yeah, is that so. the one with all the cut out, like laser cut, um, see through bits on the case? Yeah, it's pretty much like yeah. a, a skeleton tool. It yeah. has a um, one-handed opening knife, which is the best yeah. part, and then. So it's only got a couple, three tools on it, really, but um, it does exactly what I want, and it's the lightest one they have, and so it literally you cannot tell it's in your pocket. So yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fiend when it comes to Leatherman too. I think it's yeah. my theater theater background. It's just always yeah. having a, something on my belt. I love yep. them. Yep. Um, multi tools aren't those also the little. Uh, oh, yeah. Power tools with the. For a yeah. second, I thought, I didn't know Leatherman made those. That's no. an interesting direction <laughs> they've gone. No. Yeah, they are multi tools. They're the electric ones, but I, I'm talking about the pocket knife style. Yeah. Yeah, got you. And your cool. um, that sofa of yours. Uh, yes. Um, uh, so that's finished. The video is pretty much ready to go. Um, the the guy had ordered upholstery at the same time as I started making it. And so that was a little bit 
nerve wracking because I had to make the upholstery. Um, I had to make the the sofa exactly the same size as my drawings, which is not usually what I do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that's not ready and it's not going to be ready, the upholstery, for like another three weeks or something. And oh. I told the guy, I'm happy to hold on to your sofa for a week and then you have to start paying um, some storage fee for it. And so that week was today. I emailed him this morning and said, okay, it's going to be $25 a day um, storage fee. And so now I'm delivering it tomorrow. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Good. but so I won't be able to get proper finished pictures of it because um, he won't have the upholstery there. So I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to go, but yeah. I was quite interested by that diagonal that you've got on the two ends. Mm. Did that did does that need to be there to brace uh, the backrest? Because it it feels like you're really breaking it, the flow, but function functionally wise, you you can't use that as like a chase anymore. No, um, I didn't really want to put it there. The clients had some example photos with it in, mm. and they were kind of keen on it. And I was like, well, it definitely will stop the back from snapping off if someone were to dive onto the sofa and crash mm. into it. Yeah. So it's, it definitely is helping. Um, I, I agree. It kind of makes it, it um, you kind of lose some of the functionality. You're kind of directed into the way you should sit on that sofa. Um, obviously people can't, we don't know what we're talking about. It's on my Instagram and there will be a video at some <laughs> point, but yeah, I just had to go have a look at it because I had no idea what you're talking about. Right, <laughs> and and obviously not just judge, just going on the on the Instagram picture. It's hard to tell, but does it does that suit the overall design? Because again, it just looks very. It looked immediately um, out of place. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm used to seeing it. It definitely is something most people are just not used to seeing a big diagonal. And when I first saw the example picture, I was kind of like, oh, okay, it's very functional, mm. but it is its own style, I suppose. Um, I've kind of so, highlighted where, where the diagonal brace meets the sofa seat. I've highlighted it with a, um, a half-lapped dovetail join there. So it is kind of making a feature of the joinery maybe uh, it might I, i'm not sure if that's going to take away from it or add to the to it but um yeah like just looking at it now i quite like it you're talking about what goes from kind of the backrest support down to the yeah. base right mm. yeah, yeah diagonally yeah i think it looks quite good and if it's got like a black or a dark leather with it on the upholstery that yeah i have no idea what the upholstery is going to be but um I'm, I'm quite. I would have really liked to see it, but mm. who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right, sure. Jordan. How about you? Uh, okay, I've had a few things this week. Uh, let's see. Biggest one is I finished off that American oak dining table mm. uh, that I was kind of just getting into last week, um, and that's. I think that's going out for delivery tomorrow, as long as my client actually gets his address to me tonight. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've been waiting on that one for a few days, but I'm sure it'll come through. It's been paid for, so we're good. Uh, and yeah, I was quite pleasantly surprised. So that design, the client came to me with the design, which was all these like turned offset turned legs and they were right. kind of tapered and splayed. And I just, to me, it looked really clunky and not that functional. Um, and, you know, that had the floor connection and all of that. So... I kind of took it from that and a few conversations. And I kind of, when I was designed it, I thought I wouldn't really like it that much. But once the top and the base actually became one piece, it, mm. it, grew, it grew on me instantly. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I realize it's pretty similar to the last table, but that's yeah, just the way it, way it seems, works. Right? It seemed to me like a very organic, um, what do you call it, mm, progression. It was kind of the the table that the stance table was meant to be, but couldn't be because of time restraints and manufacturing. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of what I had in mind, but adapted away from. So it was it was it worked out well, really. 
um, as so far as a I got I two questions like. about it. Yeah. Um, so the the feet kind of yeah. Are you well? I'm not sure. If there's an uneven floor, do you think that's going to cause issues, or would you just put some little packers on the actual on the points that need to? Yeah. Test? So. I've put four pads on the bottom already, like cork pads. So it's just right. on each corner. And I don't think the floor would be more than, like, they're like one and a half mil thick. So yeah, right. I can't see it resting on the base like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being that it's a, like a brand new, you know, one of those tilt right. up oh, style sure. buildings, like, I think it should be fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if it is an issue, those, that, that piece is screwed on. Um, yeah, right. So yeah. what I could do is actually drill that hole out bigger and put adjustable feet on. But yeah, true. Huh. It won't be an issue. Yeah. Um, second question, the buttons holding the top on. Yeah. Um, I've, I've come across this problem before with a kind of similar-ish design where you have no um, apron to hide all that stuff. Right. Um, I guess, what are, your, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you, because personally, I, it's okay from what I feel, but I don't like that when you look under a table like that, you see this very functional thing on a very um, aesthetically nice table. Um, there's not very many ways around it. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I don't think it detracts from it that greatly because I did shape them to be... Yeah. You know, they've got all the corners knocked off and it's got yeah. cool angles. So it kind of matches the geometry in that regard. Mm. But I couldn't think of a better way to attach it that would still allow for a little bit of movement mm. on that style of base. And I've used it um, I've used it before on coffee tables and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean you really don't see it unless you're like down yeah, exactly. on the floor cleaning up or something. But And it's and it's only <laughs> gonna be other like furniture makers that look at that and and think Oh, that's ugly. Right. The only way I've come up with that style of of design, um, do a completely hidden fixing, is at the top of the rails. You have a um, a small sliding dovetail sticking up, and then you yeah. you make a large pocket in the bottom of the tabletop that um, allows that dovetail, but. Yours wouldn't be impossible to install actually because you've got X-shaped legs, so that that's a whole different story. Yeah, one way you could possibly do is like a keyhole as well, so with yeah. a big button head kind of bolt. But then that's, yeah. that's what I was gonna. Say, the issue yeah. is is expansion. I mean, yeah, does it allow for enough expansion? Mm. It, I don't know, uh, but yeah, it'd be cool to engineer something that. Yeah, I'm sure there's. Well, I guess that next way you'd go like Maloof style and just drill right through your tabletop. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, on a, on that coffee table that I made years ago, which had a similar base, I did just drill really long all the way yeah. through the the actual leg itself yeah. down, and I fastened it with screws. But that was a smaller top, and I didn't care about expansion yeah. on that width. Um, but on this one, it's something. I was a little bit wary of. I thought uh, they looked pretty cool. I I didn't at no point did I look at that and think they needed to be hidden. Um, if anything, it's kind of like when you see the inside of a clock. I don't yeah, know. I got, I got the same same vibe. Yeah, like yeah. it's that is the workings. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. I like taking it. I like thinking of it like that. Makes it feel more polished. <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah, what else is there? Oh, I made a. Another, only on Instagram, I didn't film anything. I made a tote for my neighboring unit. Um, he wanted a yeah. tool tote for some, like, tape rolls. So I made that for him. And then instantly people said, oh, that's not going to be strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's holding tape. It will yeah. be fine. And if it breaks, he hasn't they got can, a long way to come. They can tape it together. <laughs> exactly. Is that, when you say that, was, was that on um, Instagram you were getting those comments? Uh, it might have been on my actual Facebook page. Oh, God. Uh, like, you okay. know, it, it cross posts. But, yeah, I had to laugh at that because it's always always someone that knows everything, <laughs> uh, which was, yeah, it was good. On top of that, uh, let's see, I uh, had a new commission come through for just a bench seat, which is going to be really 
it's really simple, but you know the waterfall style. So you do the mitres and the grain continuously wraps around. Um, I've had payment come through for that, so I've started building that today, and that should be a fun little build. Uh, and other than that, it's just been website stuff, SEO, and all the boring stuff that I don't know how to do. So I paid someone to do it for me. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah. So this week I have been working on, well, the first thing I did was finish the cladding on the outside of the workshop, that cement sheet. That's all done, which was just in time because we had some bucketing rain the last couple of days. So I was out there with um, duct tape trying to get all this, because basically what's happened is I've built the wall out mm. from the original wall. So there's a gap straight down <laughs> the back of that wall. And it's obviously all sealed because it's all, um, there's all noggins and everything. Yeah. And, um, so I was out there with the duct tape just trying to seal that up before the rain <laughs> came down. Um, but, yeah, that's all taken care of now. I've trimmed it out. I've just got to do the window and door, and then I'm done on that. Um, You're crazy colors, man. What were you doing? Yeah, so uh, back in 2016, myself and a few other creators did this thing. It was a, a pretty random, like, concept. Um, I won't go into too much detail what it was but it was it was basically we took this simple idea and we try to make it as dramatic as possible so we were cutting a log it was someone's video i made a comment uh cactus workshop i don't know if you've watched any of his yeah. videos um i said to carlos everything you do is amazing you could just cut a piece of wood and it looks incredible and then we were both like in the comments we're like oh that's an interesting idea let's make a video cutting a log and make it as dramatic as possible. <laughs> and so we turned that into a concept um, it, that was back in 2016. And now I'm doing it again this year. So it's all, it's all about filmic style. So it's obviously right. workshop based, but the, the, the focus is on, um, uh, yeah, being as, as filmic as possible. I've actually okay. asked Jordan to jump on board as well with it. Cause it's sort of in line with where his channel's going. And um, yeah, so I bought this new camera. It's got this amazing slow-mo feature uh -huh. and we throw powder like that up. Oh, amazing. Like I was up last night just editing this because it was such awesome. a fun project to edit. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I haven't actually cleaned the workshop yet. It's just, it's a disaster. <laughs> but I bought- just wait till you start working on a nice piece of beach and you put it down on the, <laughs> the bench and it comes out green and pink. Yeah, so I bought 40 bags of this powder and I used five. So now I have... <laughs> How many bags? 40. 40. I bought 40, thinking I'm going to burn through it and I used five. So <laughs> I've got all this powder that I don't know what to do with, but yeah. Anyway, so that was... I use it uh, for uh, staining resin. That'll be good. Yeah, so I did think of that. Yeah, yeah. epoxy. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was... So I got that done this week as well. And then other than that, I started um, trying to plan out the bathroom renovation. Um, I've been contacting plumbers, electricians, um, window makers. Because I only have one bathroom, I've got to do this as quickly as possible because we're going to be showering outside in an outdoor shower until we can get it right. So oh, man, that's hard. That's hard work. That sounds pretty good to me. So I did it in my last house. I did it to the toilet, um, which, which was, again, it was the one and only toilet. So, you know, it was in and out as quick as possible. And we managed, but now it's the toilet and the shower. So, yeah, I, I really want to map this out. And having never done a wet area before. It's at least a week, man. <laughs> yeah. That's it's what everyone, because the waterproofing takes yeah. Yeah. days to dry. So you could always just uh, look at hiring. I know when my friends did their bathroom, they hired like, you know, the port loos but they do them mm. as a shower. Yeah. Yeah. Got those luxury versions. Yeah. 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 So, so those are 600 bucks for a week. Right. So you already look into that. Which is mm. not, I don't it's think it's terrible. bad. No, not for uh, a room. Mm. It's not bad, but if I'm going to do it, I need to, I, I want to make sure that I'm, only using it for a week yeah, you know, yeah. the project doesn't like drag on <laughs> yeah. so yeah not not having any experience doing this before yeah i'm yeah. trying to put in a lot of a lot of planning into it before. yeah that's, that's well worth it yeah ask Can't a lot of though. questions of the tradies and how long they think they're going to take and all that and get it nailed well, down <clears throat> well that's it you know um i was on the phone to a plumber today and, and um 
he was sort of saying, you know, what do you want done? And I, I didn't want to go into too much detail because I want him to be here. So I can say, ask him the questions like, when do I call you in the process? <laughs> you know, I do the drywalling and do I do that before I call you or after I, you know, all those things. Cause I don't, I'm not a builder. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it's all, but it, it'll work out. It always does. <clears throat> All right, so this this week's topic, um, I came up with this topic because two days ago, I got a text from someone who got my details through the Sawyer who cut all that that wood for me. So it's quite a quite an interesting joining of the dots. It's quite nice that it worked out like that. And this lady wants to have a bookshelf made. <laughs> Unfortunately, she wants it made out of the tree that the Sawyer has just cut oh, down and is <laughs> milling it up. So, I, you know, I said, cool, no problem. It's going to take six to 12 months probably for that stuff to dry, depending on how it's dried. Um, but let's start the planning process now. You know, it's, it's the best that it's the, the best job I've got going at the moment. So let's put yeah. some time into it. Um, so she said to me, you know, what's the next step? And I said, well, let's let's start designing. Let's start working it out. And before I got into it, I thought, well, I don't actually know how to start the design process. So I just wanted to right. ask Joey and Jordan, like, how they go about doing it and, and sort of the, the finer details. Mm. So the first question that I wanted to ask you guys is to do with the, um, the software packages. So your Fusion and SketchUp. I hear those terms thrown around all the time. I've had a look at SketchUp before, but I kind of felt like, the amount of time that I was going to put into it wasn't worth it for me. But now that I want to design stuff and show it to a customer, yep. you know, it seems it's like the way to go. Yeah. Totally. So Jordan, do you, does that mean that you use it then? Yeah. So for me, I use SketchUp. I do have, I have used Fusion a few times, but it's just too advanced in my opinion. It's just, there's so much you can dive into that. I just, I never get around to it. But SketchUp is awesome because it's 3D modeling. Uh, so literally what you're modeling is what you have. And the learning curve is really quick, right? Everything's mm. boxes or extruding or putting like a new face onto something and then cutting that face out. So you've got your hollow. How, um, how quick are we talking? For me, I would say a week of coming out with a design and then figuring out all of the little things, you should be laughing. So for me now, I will talk to a client. I will, you know, say, kind of get an idea what they're looking for. Also ask for their like sample images. If there's something they've got in mind, send through an image. And right away, even before I start sketching on paper, I will go into SketchUp and actually come up with a few models. And that two or three models will take me 20 minutes. Um, and, and then I can send it through to clients. So these are the three kind of concepts that, I've got in my mind, do any of these look like something you think of? Um, but there's the thing with SketchUp is because it is so simple, it's often hard to find the features that make it easier to use. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, for example, if you really wanted to model something heavily, it's like including the mortises and the tenons and the dovetails and everything into it, there's tools in there which you can actually use to subtract one component from the other. So you don't actually have to model the tenon and the mortise. You just have to model the tenon and then you subtract that component from, you know, Sorry, whatever. were you just talking, did you just say that in Fusion or SketchUp? That's in SketchUp. Yeah, yeah. That, now that, uh, no, I'm trying to think now. Is that the pro version? Because they took a lot of tools away fairly recently. Yeah. So I don't think the new version of the free one has it. But no. on my, my computer, I think it's the 2011 or 2012 yeah. version that I'm using. Yeah. Um, because exactly that reason. Yeah. Yeah, um, I went online to have a look at it now and it just launches in the browser. You don't even download it. I don't know if oh, I was just looking. Oh, really? That's yeah. They've got a new one, but still look for SketchUp Make, and that's the software SketchUp. Ah, Make. okay. Yeah, yeah. Talking about all the the dub, the mortise and tenons. Uh, one of Cuffy's latest videos, he goes through the design, and he's. I mean, yeah. it's, it's all there. Yeah, I did see that, and yeah, tons of it. Like for me, I'd never model in that much detail no. if it's for a client. 
but if it's for some plans that you intend to sell, yeah. then I include all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's all I really can say. Yeah, is that worth uh, SketchUp for me is the only. I mean, it's probably just about my most used tool I have. Um, like it, it's so quick. Like Jordan was saying, I can draw a dining table in under a minute. So it's it's literally just it's ridiculously quick. Yeah. So I've had actually had clients in the workshop and modeled in real time. And showing them, look, I can make this bang done. Man, yeah. I, I looked at it once for, and and this is coming from someone who's got a software background. I looked at it for about half an hour, and I just felt like I wasn't winning with it. I was just making more work for myself. Right. There's some good tutorials out there. So I know when I first started using it, the best tu- tutorial was the Wood Whisperers one. Okay. Like it, it was really simple. But his workflow just made it make sense to me. Okay. And I've looked at the ones, like I think Jay Bates has quite a few and all of that. But that, to me, didn't make sense. The, the basics that were given in the Wood Whisperer video were enough for me to take it and actually start rolling and finding out the new details. Because when I wanted to, you know, say, how do I add a radius onto this corner, I just Google it. So I've made the table, but now yeah. I've, I've added the radius and it's just... So yeah, I just did there. I just did the the tutorials that came with that are on built into SketchUp. I did like two of them. And I was like, okay, build a chair, okay, draw a house, done. And then from there, it was just I found that the only real way to learn was to actually get a job and draw that job. That was very difficult to pick an object and draw it. I found because mm-hmm. I had no like motivation really. So yeah, um, and it got to the point now I can draw cabriolet legs on SketchUp. Well, I could in the old version. Um, there are add-ons now that you can get to do all these things again, the plugins. Um, it's just it's a bit harder to, to play with them. But um, at some point, I will probably buy the pro version. But um, at the moment, the free one does a perfect job. And the styles that you can add onto it, which is something I've only just started getting into probably in the last year, um, you can really make, even without a fancy plugin for making it photorealistic you can just change the background colors and yeah. change the line textures and stuff and it makes it look really arty farty hand-drawn um so lee I, was I, just saying in the i chat. always said sorry Rob, go. i was just gonna say lee was saying in the chat as well um have you guys tried the visualizer add-on for sketchup mm. um it renders your sketch into more realistic version so that's basically uh, what you're talking about joey yeah you don't need like you you can do that you can go that far i personally can't be bothered because um, at the end of the day it's just still a, just a drawing um, but um, uh, sometimes I think clients prefer just black and white rather than full-on photographs but some clients prefer it depends in styles as well there's like you can stylize the entire sketch so often I do this drawn line so it looks like it's hand drawn and that's my initial drawing that I send to the client yeah. Ah, so it looks like a hand-drawn drawing. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Like it looks like it's a, a hand-drawn, but like, you know, on an iPad or something. And it looks cool. And then if they decide on something, I'll go to, it's not the model warehouse, but there's a style warehouse or a, a background warehouse. And you can download all the wood textures and yeah. all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So you can get fairly realistic model, drawings. That model warehouse is genius for me. I when. Just, just about every job, I'll just go and steal, you know, not steal, but you can just download someone else's model. Like if you're drawing a disc, you can just go and download a, an iMac computer yeah. and keyboard and throw it on the disc in two <laughs> seconds and it looks like a, it's all set up. You know, a bunch of books for your bookcase. Yeah, it's very, it's yeah. very easy. But that, to, that's the stuff that I guess you want. You want the the client to be able to see it and visualize it. So yeah, right. you can put a window in the room, put the shadow, the sun coming yeah. through the window, and, and suddenly it looks like oh, this guy knows what he's doing. So um, <laughs> smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I was going to say, Rob, what I do, especially for built-in jobs, um, always do it I, when I'll go and measure up the house the room and I'll draw that uh, whole room to scale in SketchUp 
And then whenever I'm making measurements for the job, I just literally am measuring off my SketchUp drawing and I throw my hand, like my site drawings away. And then I just believe that I drew it the same as what I wrote down. And then, mm. uh, and you get so that, that on installed and there's an extra wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do. Like I draw each room I'm working on exactly how it is. Take a bunch of photos. I'll draw the skirtings, draw the windows where they have to be. And then like, I've got all my critical measurements whenever I need them. Yeah. That's interesting. So I did, I did say to her, when you're thinking about the design, think about the room and how it's going to fit in the room. Cause I know you guys have said that before, you know, a lot of times people don't think about the room that it's going to be in. Um, but I guess that's taking it one step further and then you can show them what it'll look like in their room. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's really good. Hmm. All right. So bottom line, I need to get my SketchUp um, yep. skills up and yeah. Um, now in terms of, when you deal with the client on the, the des, you know, on the design, are you doing this face-to-face or is it all via email or telephone? Cause I think Joey, you've said in the past, it's all email for you, isn't it? So. As much as I can do, unless the client happens to come in um, to the workshop. The reason is um, mainly that I want to vet the client a little bit. I don't want to have too many tire kickers. So, um, because the last thing, I mean, the absolute last thing you want to do is go and have a site visit and spend a day talking and drawing. And then they, and then they say, oh, yeah, now we'll wait till next Christmas. Yeah. Which means. Yeah. And so you, you absolutely don't want to spend a day away from the workshop if you're not getting paid for it. Mm. So you've, you've got to make the client do a little bit of homework. And that for me is taking photos, sending some basic measurements through just enough information for me to, to draw up a sketch. And then it goes to the client price with the price. And then once everything's okay, then if I need to, I'll go to site. Um, mm. So when it comes to designing the, the piece, the client generally gives me a two or three photos of, of things I've found online. Right. Uh, I'll draw it, take the bits they want, uh, from each picture, draw it up in the right scale, send them a picture with a price. Now, it's, they can ch- make as many changes as they like to that drawing because it only takes me two seconds generally to change um, something on the drawing. But once the deposit's paid, that means we're all good. That last drawing is the one. Mm. Um, so and, do you then, uh, how do I say it? Do you then include any design into your actual price so you add x amount of dollars onto your quote because you're not getting deposit before you're yeah. coming out with a final design yeah so I, I, on my website it says like free designed and drawings and right. stuff and, and that is really what it is it's free mainly because i can do it so quickly yeah, so, yeah. And especially when we're dealing with most of the things we build are versions of square boxes. So it's very quick to draw them um, to give basic ideas of what, what they're going to receive. Yep. On occasion, I've had to do very elaborate drawings with curves and, and all sorts of things. And that's when I will add something on for my time. If I get the job, you know, yeah. in the pricing area, I'll add a couple of hours on. Because for me, I, like my design service is free, but I will only come up with concepts um, and, you know, it's unlimited in that regard. So here's a really simple drawing of what we're thinking, but I won't finalize the design until the deposits come through. Um, yeah. It's still free, but I just won't spend, you know, six yeah. hours refining something Yeah, because right. I because I had been burnt once before where I spent yeah, no. almost almost two days coming out with this really complex desk. Yeah. And then they just say, oh, actually, we're, we're going to hold off for a while and rethink about what we want. Yeah. Doesn't that require a lot of trust from your clients who have never met you before? Like, because you could, you could just put together the design, like this is roughly what it's going to be like, and then they pay the deposit it's, and the next thing it's, it's covered in finials or something. You know, the, the thing is, is it's not... It sounds like I'm coming up with this kid's sketch and that's all it is. It's still basically the completed model, but it's right. just 
proportions aren't quite locked in or this shelf is not at the correct height or you know it's just those little details which is this is a quick drawing it's pretty close but it's not spot on and then it's when it comes to really locking every detail in like I, I kind of I'm, I'm a little bit different in that I will actually give them the drawing that is to scale it's got the actual measurements on it and that way in my quote I will say I'm going to make this as per the drawings because that way if something's if they're not happy with something that they go oh the table's 100 mil too long I go well let's go see what's on the drawing and mm. let's see what I made and they're the same so yeah. actually now you have to pay for me to change this yeah I mean, that's a that's a good point that's um, what I like. I like that yeah. to be able to say, hey, look, go and look at the drawing. It's all on there. Yeah. See, I, I would still do that with the drawing, but it's not until the deposit's been yeah, paid because it's not. Yeah. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give them a scale drawing because then if they wanted to, they could take that drawing to the next guy just because he offers it for $10 cheaper. Yeah. They can, they can have the design, but that guy's got to put some work into it too. You know, like I'm yeah. not going to just give the next guy my design for, <laughs> for nothing. So you have yeah. to work for it. And then how, how long do you guys do this pro the, that back and forth exchange, Jordan? Is it like a, like, will you just keep doing this until they want to put the money down or? Yeah. I mean, do so you eventually latest, say, right, you've got to come up with an idea at some point. Generally I try and find a budget first and I design, you know, if their budget's only $500 and I know I can only really put a maximum of two days into it. So I'll design something around their budget. Um, but in regards to how long it can go on for, generally speaking, my initial conversation with them gives me a really good idea. They give me a few images that they like. You know, I like this uh, detail here and this detail there. So generally, one of the first three concepts I come up with, which is my go-to, so the first email I send to them with all the images is three, three concepts. One of them is exactly what they're wanting. There's only been one or two occasions where I've had to completely rethink it because, uh, you know, we weren't on the same page. But generally, I'd say it goes on for the maximum part of two days. Initial drawings sent out, they come back saying, that's exactly what I want. And then the next day, I spend refining it. Um, and they've said, yeah, let's go ahead. So they've said, they'll deposit the money. I start refining it. Yeah, uh, with this particular person that um, that um, contacted me, I sent them a couple of pictures that I found on Google, like, you know, what about this, what about this style, you know, just sort of like as boring as this or as interesting as this, um, and they sort of came back and said, well, that's exactly what I want. So it didn't yeah. seem like there was too much involved. Yeah. Like they, they weren't eyeing out the smallest detail. They just so said, brought it in and off, off Did you say that you looked on Google for the images? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my only suggestion would be try and get them to do a little bit of the homework and come mm. to you with those images because then they're obviously going to choose things they do like. Yeah, which is what um, my initial email was, send me some pictures of what you're interested in. I then got a response of, I'm not very creative, which, <laughs> I, I, you know, that's the that's the tire-kicking warning yeah, yeah. signs that you guys saw. Obviously, I'm in a situation where I'll, I can jump on this because it's yeah. Well, that's not really a tight kicking situation. That is more of a, in a, in a sense, on one hand, it's it's probably good news for you because you can pretty much do whatever you like and steer them towards what you're after. Yeah, um, and it is sometimes quite difficult to work with a client who knows exactly what they want, and when you know that that's right at the limit of your skill set, you're like, mm, can I actually pull this off? Um, we might need to somehow compromise if I'm going to get this job. So um, that's, that's yeah. Well, this, this particular job is using a tree that they've grown up around. Mm. So there's only one. There's only one tree like this. Yeah. So yeah. my gut is to go as simple as possible because I can't just muck this up and and go to the store and buy some more. You know. So yeah, I'm trying to get it as simple as possible. And, and now I think you were going to get onto this uh, one of your. Yeah. Um, t subjects was when you have a very limited supply of timber like this for me the designing almost needs to stop about where you are like you have an idea of what you, you what you want and you know what the rough sizes of this thing is going to be presumably um, 
but you really have no idea how much usable timber you're going to get out of this tree. Yeah. And so the size of this bookcase might end up being a uh, a spice rack because (laughs) the timber could be absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, And so when you have a finite amount of timber, you definitely need to work around there could be some compromises where you could say, right, we could make a feature out of this part of the project out of your timber and we have to have to use a secondary timber to, to fill out the rest of the stuff to make it a functional piece. Hmm. Um, so, for example, we could do the tabletop out of your timber and then we're going to have to use something else for the base because there's just not enough good material. Yeah. Um, that's what my concern would be in this situation because most of the time, Every time a client has said, oh, I've got this stack of timber under the house, um, it is terrible. Clients just see a stack of timber and think every piece is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you actually start milling it and looking at it, probably a third of it is usable. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's definitely something to be cautious of, I think. One of my suggestions to her was, and I think this is a mid-century modern look, is where you get like uh, painted white MDF. So it's just that super clean white carcass. And then you put the top on, you know, because yeah. that's pretty straight. Is, is that mid-century modern? Uh, no, I don't know what that style is technically, but. Uh... Anyway, that's, yeah. that's, that's what I was thinking because I've seen that done a lot. Right. Um, and provided you get the, you know, the, the cabinet side of it done nice and slick. Mm. then it can look quite nice and then we're just saying we can as you say pick out the best piece of timber yeah, sure. we're yeah. just focusing on your fancy timber for you the could top. Do, yeah or you could do, all the shelves could be their timber and you can make yeah. the carcass out of whatever you like painted plywood or mdf mm. um yeah. and that would look probably quite nice i i don't mind the white paint and natural timber look if it's done in with a bit of consideration i think it's so rad um, we, last week we talked about John Peters. He's done a couple of cabinets like that, and I just think it is such a magic look. But it's yeah, got to cool. be—it's got to be well done because as soon as you got a, you get a bit of a, you know the the edges start to fray or whatever on the carcass, then it's awful. Yeah. But if it's done right, mm. um, yeah. Well, that that was sort of one of the um, one of the questions was, yeah. Is I mean, especially from the perspective of if you get something. Or do you, do you just take that job and you just think, well, I can't make a mistake? It's as simple as that. If, uh, if it's so high stress, um, it may be worth quoting in, so, you know, a couple of sheets of cheap particle board or something like that just so you can do a few practice cuts, you know, do a proper mock-up, get mm-hmm. everything kind of dialed in. If it is that, you know, that tight and daunting, it, it could be a good idea. But interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't. Well, no, I I say I don't want to go down that route. That's just more of a, you know, we've talked about this in the past. Um, There is no try. What what did Joe to say? There is no try and you do or something. But yeah, yeah, if it comes down to it, then maybe I should. To be fair, though, the the tree looks pretty sizable and the, the bookshelf that she wants is a meter by a meter. Okay. So it's only a small shelf anyway. Yeah, so we shouldn't we shouldn't have too much trouble with that. Um, well, you can keep the rest of the timber and make a dining table. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that she said to me is, the top half of the tree, the the branches are or the, the trunk is two hundred mil yeah. thick, so it's pretty small. Um, she said to me, you know, can I give you some of these, some of the tree, as payment, which no, I didn't no. really want. I didn't really want to go down that road. No. Um, so I might have to, because it, which is, it's, I mean, it's really nice, but it's not a particularly nice um, size piece of wood. And if I'm going to do this as a business, <laughs> logs don't pay bills. So it just, right. yeah. no. and it's timber's not worth anything. Like yeah. they, people always think, like, people I think had it's a, worth. Yeah. Yeah. I had Sorry. a guy come into my workshop the other, the other week, with, and he had a couple of pieces of 300 by 50 cowrie. Um, and he, and I think they were two meters long each. I had no idea what they looked like, but he wanted $250 for each one. Jesus. <laughs> I was like, uh, pulled out the calculator, did a quick calculation. I said, yeah, they're probably worth about $70 each. Uh, 
and he was like, oh, well, so I haven't heard from him. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, it's just not worth what you think it is. It, um, so, and what's more, that 200 mil round truck is going to be 40% sap. So, yeah. yeah, nothing usable in it. And the higher you get, the more stresses are often in that wood. So, it's less stable as well. Oh, right. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Moving about a whole lot more. Yeah. And you'll be cutting it and it'll pinch and all sorts of stuff. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll see what she what she wants for it just because, you know, if it's going, it's... Um, yeah. But, just, yeah, I, I'm, it's more, it's more I'm, I'm questioning whether I want to on principle that if I want this to be a business, this is not business. This is not how you run it. So, yeah. you know, am I, am I, am I... Yeah, am I am I starting off on the wrong foot by doing this? I would, I would advise against mm. wood for payment. Mm. You, you know, like you're you're the furniture maker, you should be the one that's providing the wood. Unless um, someone's got like a log of uh, fiddleback something blackwood or oh, maple or something, and they yeah. don't know what it is, and you say, "Okay, sure, I'll make your table for this log." <laughs> um, <laughs> Next week is up on eBay with six digits behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what species the tree is that they're milling? So uh, Morton Bay ash. Okay, so it's not a bad wood anyway. No, and that and I've, yeah, yeah. I've, I'm I'm actually growing a Morton Bay ash in my front yard, and I've always looked at these trees and thought, oh, I've always wanted to work with one of these. So that's kind of why I'm. Wh- what color? What color is the wood, John? I think it's kind of the bleachy color but i'm just assuming being a natch it would be that lighter lighter uh, yellow i thought it was going to be red but it, I'm, yeah. I'm you know i'm not sure it's a queensland tree um but yeah yeah so the last question that i had um when so you guys say mo- it sounds like most of the time someone says i want this made and then you guys put forward some ideas do you find yourself steering them towards an idea? I mean, or is do you prefer them to come to you with the idea, Joey? Uh, well, that's a tough one. Um, or is there no real answer to that question? Well, I take generally I take the clients um, all their suggestions in and mm. try and put everything they want into the piece. But there's always a point where there's a, going to be a compromise generally you, you can't have everything. And so I will generally just allow for the easiest thing for me to make <laughs> because there's no point in really giving yourself a super yeah. headache if it's going to cause a super headache. Mm-hmm. So I will go to the easier option and explain that this has to happen because of this. Um, and I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but it happens <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, like I, I know how to build a Mortison tenon coffee table. I've done them before. So surely everything that I, in, if anyone comes to me and says, Do you want, can you build me a table? I'm going to say, well, I can build your table like that. And I'm just going to be making that table yeah. you know, for eternity. Be, because so what you need to do there is you need to price it accordingly. Like you're going to do hand cut Mortison tenons. And just need to say that that's why the price is why it is. Tell them that this is going to be properly joined the old traditional way, and you want to tell you want to give the client as much reasons as possible as to why they how much they're getting for the dollar they're spending. Um, and then that's really so that's, that you're at the top end, you come in with your top end price and the top yeah. end quality, and then they say, right, that's a bit much for us. Is there any way we can? kind of down spec it and that's when you can go so yeah sure we can use dowel joinery instead um and that's going to take off you know probably half a day or day's labor or something cutting mortises Mm -hmm. so you know that's it's a good way to um yeah you've got to explain i think not yeah explain what why the price is why it is yeah what are they i think that's a good point but that's also a good reason why you should try and get an idea of budget ahead mm. of designing so you can kind of design it within mind because then you have the reasons of why you're compromising as well mm. um, like for a good example is with this 
bench that I just got the commission for is the initial email was we just want a really simple bench seat, four square legs, 1.2 meters long, three, 350 wide, and using the Mary that's on the shelf. So I, you know, I immediately just quoted two, two days later. It'll be done in two days, no worries at all. And then they actually came down for a meeting and they said, actually, we've had a think and we, we don't really want that four-leg design anymore. <laughs> um, we want something a little bit less conventional. And I said, okay, well, that can alter the price. But they said, <laughs> well, they oh, almost certainly will alter the yeah. price. And, and when they said, well, we can't, um, we don't want to go any higher, I said, all right, no worries. I'll come up with some concepts that use the same amount of wood so it doesn't cost you any more. In reality, the design I've come up with is actually easier. It's a lot less right. work and they're happy with it. So it's worked yeah. out well. Nice, yeah. But it just means I managed to design it through their budget and not hit myself in the foot by including all this random stuff that isn't necessary. Mm. Do you actually get many clients, George, that tell you a budget? I have never had a client say, this is how much money we've got to spend. I, I try and I'd say maybe 40% success rate in getting a budget. Okay. Um, most of the time they will be like, oh, we really don't know what we're, we're expecting. Yeah. And then I say, great, cool. Um, and that's when I always second guess myself because I think that I'm either going to overcharge or undercharge. And when I think I've overcharged, I've undercharged. And when I think I've undercharged, you know, I wouldn't say I've undercharged, I've overcharged, but it's a lot easier than I've anticipated. At the same time, I guess in the same question, um, uh, do people ever ask, well, surely they say, oh, just give us a ballpark price for this All thing. The time. What, what, are we, what are we looking at? I had, uh, just last week, I had one for that. So I need a, I need a, a platform for a manicure bench <laughs> or something. And so yeah. no worries, certainly something I can help you out with. Just give me a rough idea of size and I can provide you with a few quotes with different finishes and materials. I don't know how big it needs to be. Just give me a ballpark. Yeah. Well, yeah. if if I'm That's assuming awesome. I can make it out of, you know, 10 sheets of plywood, then that price is going to be $10,000, well, maybe $4,000. But if I can make it out of two sheets of plywood, it's only going to be... Yeah. So, yeah, it's just people will do it. Yeah, um, I get it fairly often. And people seem to be very... Um, stubborn about trying to get some amount of dollar figure out of me at least and so i'll get quite a bit of information from them often it's like they'll get the size and i'll get what the material wants to be and too many times i've given a ballpark price and then when i actually go to do the quote it's like double for whatever reason i just yeah just whatever bad guess but then when you give them the price, they're like, what? You told me it was going to be this much. And I'm like, hold on a second. I didn't tell you anything. So what? now I, I absolutely refuse to give any number. I just say straight up, I will not give you a ballpark because I need to do the numbers on it. The the only, t only kind of ballpark I give them is examples. Like, So if it's similar size and same material to a table I've done in the past, right. I will say, look, I've done a table that's similar to this, not the same, but that yeah. cost about five grand to the client. Yeah. And, you know, I would be fairly comfortable in saying it would be around that, but until we have a design, I can't yeah. say. And nine times out of ten, they're happy with that. Yeah. I, I never give them a quote without actually having a design concept. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's something, I think it's something that a lot of people in this industry are very wary of. I know when I have um, contractors or tradies coming over, uh, can you give me a rough price? <laughs> nope. I've never had someone just say no, but it's always, <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to have to go back and have a look, da, 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 which is basically them saying, no, I'm not going to, I'm not even yeah. going to attempt it. Yeah. Beating around the bush. Because yeah. one, have you discussed with them pricing or anything yet, or is it still early initial stage? No, no, no pricing yet. Yeah. Because one thing, like when I was, first getting commissions when I was still working out of home, I would do is I'd look at a project and figure out what tool would make this project a whole heap easier and make sure it covers the cost of that. Because, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that you need to price it for a brand new panel sort of, but <laughs> if the, uh, uh, what are they called? The pin jigs, that, for example, that yeah. would 
save you a ton of time on the project. So make sure you get at least that much in your in your pocket. Yeah. All right. Um, is there anything else, uh, Joe? You want to add? No, I think we might as well get onto some questions if we have them. Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna jump onto. So we've had a few um, questions from Leroy over the last couple of weeks, and this is his third and final one. And I think this plays in quite nicely to the to the point that I made earlier about the three of us being at the wood show. Um, I've heard Carbotech are pulling out of all future wood shows in Australia. How do you think that impacts our craft? I'm not a big fan of the content or format of wood shows, but I think they could be great if the right people get involved and it's catered to young people instead of just retirees. Is there is there any hope? Um, so, funnily enough, so we're we're going to be talking at this uh, wood expo in in Milani. Queensland and that was how we pitched it to them was these shows tend to be aimed at the the woodworker in his workshop who lives in his workshop with a big beard and mm. never comes out and while there's obviously nothing wrong with that that's a that's a totally cool art in itself we've seen over in the US and it's interesting you talk about you know is it is it killing our craft we've seen it in the US where it's evolved and and become modern and there are a lot of people out there who are interested in it. Um, so, you know, with Carbotech pulling out, I mean, you know, it's... I'd, All I it that, really that, means is that they're obviously not making sales. And yeah, so that's not a only, bad not business that, decision. I think it's also when, when you have a company like that, like everyone knows in our industry, everyone knows who Carbotech is. And when they pull out, it does just reflect negatively, regardless of whether mm. they're making sales or not. So... Mm. From that perspective, yeah, it's not great. Personally, I think it could be a good thing for the shows. Like, uh, I don't know how it is over on the East Coast, but for me, here in WA, TimberCon was always a WA company and then recently it bought out and it's now Melbourne-based, but we've got the Perth store here and it is taking off. And if you go to the Perthwood show and you go to the Carbotech store, it's all about sales. All they mm. want to do is sell crap. Whereas TimberCon, they're more about getting a little bit social with you, having a chat. They've got, that's where it's going. They've got more demos. Like Carbotech did do demos, but not as many as Carbotech. And in fact, I think this year I'm going to be at the Perthwood show with TimberCon doing demos. Mm. Um, but they're doing more demos. They're more down to earth and they don't have... I don't want to say they don't put your, their nose up. Like Carbotech don't put their nose up at you, but they do expect you to know. Mm. Like mm. The, the staff are like, this is a this is a lathe, you idiot. Whereas at, <laughs> at Timicon, they are like, oh come on in, this is the thing we use this to make turnings and blah blah blah. Like the welcoming approach that that is being on offer by another retailer goes to show just they're succeeding, whereas Carbotech is falling behind. And by losing a big player like Carbotech, it opens up the doors for the smaller guys. That's true potentially to come in and they may only have one or two products, but it's a different niche. So, mm, that is I true. mean, in my opinion, I think it could be a good thing for the shows as long as the gap they leave is filled by the smaller guy that has a product that is relevant and also interesting. Mm. Joey, any thoughts? That's a bit, bit difficult for me to, um, really say anything relevant given that I we only have one Carbotech store here. I really only have one impression of the guys, how they operate their business, um, and I'm sure it's quite different. Um, well, I guess it's not so we, much a question of, of Carbotech. It's more just about the fact that companies aren't interested in the, the shows anymore. Well, from I think that's all I can really say is if, if I was a business, do, would I want to spend money on a store and not make any money from that store. I mean, and any director of business is going to say, well, this is, uh, okay, publicity is one thing, but everyone who's going to a woodworking show probably knows who you are if you're the biggest woodworking store in the country. Yeah, that's an interesting so point. Yeah, Justin Bieber wouldn't work for, for promotion anymore. Yeah, That's right. So why? what's the point in paying whatever, the few hundred it is to put a stall in and, and pay the staff and get all the machinery on site and all the just related costs of shipping 
when um, you could stay exactly how you are and make one sale in your shop in the weekend and then you've just made more money than you, you spent on the show. Yeah. So um, that's what I take from it. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, the, the monetary thing you can't avoid as a business, but also, in my opinion, it's the community thing. Like, you can't, you can't go past having a good impression at a show where you get thousands of potential customers, even if you don't sell anything. I still think that in the long term would be good. But obviously, they're not experiencing that, so they're pulling out. Mm. Um, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, and I think that that's, that, I mean, obviously, business is business. It all comes down to making profit. But that idea of nurturing that community, yeah, I think that's where the future will be. And um, allowing allowing brands to become superstars as opposed to just sales engines. Yeah. Which, and yeah, I mean, maybe Australian, the Australian public aren't ready for that yet. I, I don't know. And I think, I mean, to, to go back a little bit and just to give more praise to Timbercon in, in contrast to what mm. Carpetech are doing, but they're really approaching this new era of, you know, marketing and all of that in the in the way that they have, uh, what are they called? The YouTube videos. They're doing like the series of videos and social media sharing, whereas mm. Carbotech have fallen behind in that yeah. to some degree. And maybe that is part of their strategy. They don't spend $10,000 on this stall mm. so they can put it into adapting to the new age media this year. Like, yeah. who, who knows what they're doing? Mm. Um, but there's a huge part to be involved with the actual the online community at the moment. Mm. All right. Two other questions. We had one from Lee Vela earlier. Do you guys ever upload an image that client sends to Google images? <laughs> See if you can track down the original they wanted, they want to replicate. <laughs> it's usually, it's, usually it's not that difficult. I usually get like screenshots from a website. So, um, <laughs> I just go to the website, see what kind of price range they're looking at, and that's that's a pretty good indication of. Um, sometimes I see that price and think I see it as a challenge, and mm. like, oh, can I beat that price? Make <laughs> the same thing and still make money. Mm. Um, and so sometimes that's why you might see me pulling out the domino heaps because it's like, you know, I'm just trying to get this job done. It's still going to be just as good as it, any other way, but it's just quick. Um, and that's really what it comes down to, uh, making money. Yeah, I, I personally, I've done it once for a table, but no, I don't really do it. I, it's a good idea, though. I should probably start thinking about it more. Also, on regards to just if it is a small designer or whatever, just reaching out. I had one once, and the table I got linked to was uh, $10,000 Canadian dollars. Jesus. And um, I made it for three and I still made money. So, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> All right. And then, last question from Rob. And this, I'm really interested in this actually. Um, Joey, does handmade joints include using power tools or literally? So, basically, when you say to someone, I'm going to do hand cut uh, mortise okay, and yeah. tenants, can you use power tools? Okay. So, uh, so I think that was in the context context of when I said um, the high end was. Mm. So I, I probably didn't explain or didn't say really, I guess, properly. So I think hand cutting um, joinery is great, but it's not the best way to cut joinery. Shock horror. Um, yeah, we've evolved. We I'm, on really the, gone I'm on the team of Anton Gurner. I think he's down in Melbourne or Sydney. Um he has he's always said the joinery should be cut on the on the um, table saw. That's the best way you can get really good fitting joinery. And since I've had my sliding table saw, I absolutely agree. Um, I, I my exception is dovetails. I think personally they work best when I do them by hand. Um, but so I guess when I say hand cutting joinery, what I mean is not screwed together or dominoed together. Um, it's actual real timber joinery. It's just however that's made doesn't really matter. But if I do it with a machine, it's going to fit together way nicer than if I do it by hand because 
I guess it, I guess that could just come down to practice. I do a lot of hand work with chisels and hand saws and hand planes, and I think I'm pretty good at it. I still can't do a perfect dovetail, not like a machine could do it. Not that I, like I say, I don't do machine dovetails because I don't like the look of them, but um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, what are we all watching? Uh, Jordan, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Uh, so Woodworking with Tim, I believe, is the channel name. There is a link in the description if I got that wrong. Uh, but it's just a wood turning uh, YouTube channel. And he's really animated and funny. And I watched a few of his videos this week. Cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, I had a quick look. He did some cool stuff. Yeah. Joey? I was watching um, Naughty Dog Workshop. Um, I've followed yeah. him for a long time. He's actually got a very small channel on YouTube, so go mm -hmm. give him a subscribe. Yeah. Um, he does fairly short videos, and I think mm. his last video is a dining table build in, a, in three and a bit minutes, wow. um, which is crazy, but it seemed to work, and it wasn't even sped up. It was, he does a lot of slow shots, and it just was really nicely edited and I thought it was a good job. So go check him out. I must say, I, I actually watched that a day or two ago and I was watching this going, this guy's going to be perfect for the show because that table was really nice. It was, yeah. and as you say, it was a good video. The editing was good and all that. So yeah, I'm, I, I don't remember the last video that he put out though. So I think yeah, it's been a while. That? Oh, the one before that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look today and it was like a month ago. Was it? Okay, yeah, because yeah. I was going to say, I haven't seen much we, from him. slowed down quite a bit, and I, and I wonder if that's because the channel isn't building so much, but mm. stick with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching RR Buildings. So these are the guys that did uh, Jimmy DeResta's workshop. Uh, yeah. They're currently working on a farm shop. This building is maybe 10 cars wide. <laughs> By about three cars, it's it's enormous. Like it's one of those buildings where you just think, how did they conceptualize that size? I mean, the concrete pad was just it's, anyway. Um, the the design method that they use for the the timber work is really interesting. They basically build the entire wall and then they lift it up in one go, and they instead of um, it being then nailed into the con or you know nailed into that bottom plate, it's just on. Um, They've got pillars there. So, yeah, it's like U bracket. Yeah. Well, there's, there's no post going into the ground. Oh, it's there's just U bracket, these, eh? Yeah, yeah, which is apparently quite interesting. And all of the rigidity comes from the panels that they put on the plywood yeah. panels. Yeah, stops the whole thing from moving. That's how the Americans um, build the, everything's just sheathed in um, yeah. like a particle board to a plywood type thing, and that just yeah. is the best bracing for anything. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really interesting, but it's just amazing watching it come together. And what's really nice is a lot of building channels, the guys are building and filming secondary. This this guy, mm. oh, man, what's his name? Yeah, I forget. But he's got a drone, so he's constantly flying his drone around. You're getting all these amazing shots. Yeah. yeah. It's a really, really good channel. RR Buildings, yeah. All the links to what we've um, talked about will be in the description down below. So, yeah, go have a look. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to add? No, I'm, I'm good. No, everything is checked off the list. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening or watching, guys. I hope you enjoyed that show. My name is Robin from Robin Lewis Makes. We were joined by Joey from King Post Timberworks and Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys again same time next Thursday. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye.